You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MZBC Students. My mom taught me at home. No, no, I know what homeschool is. I'm not retarded. So you've actually never been to a real school before? Shut up. Shut up. I didn't say anything. Homeschooled. That's really interesting. Thanks. You're like really pretty. Thank you. So you agree? What? You think you're really pretty? Oh, I don't know. Oh my god, I love your bracelet. Where did you get it? Oh, my mom made it for me. It's adorable. It's so fetch. What is fetch? Oh, it's like slang from England. So if you're from Africa, why are you white? Oh my god, Karen, you can't just ask people why they're white. Could you give us some privacy for like one second? Yeah, sure. Okay, you should just know that we don't do this a lot, so this is like a really huge deal. We want to invite you to have lunch with us every day for the rest of the week. Oh, it's okay. Coolness. So we'll see you tomorrow. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. <laughs> That's, that, I realized earlier that movie's older than most of you. Do you guys know what that movie is? Yes. Okay, good. Oh, good. You watch old movies. That's good. Um, you don't? Yeah, Mean Girls, right? Every time I think of the topic of popularity, I think of that movie uh, and how hilarious it is, but also how, obviously it's exaggerated, but how true uh, it sadly is, right? Um, every one of us is chasing something. Those of you who've been here the last couple of weeks, if you've not been, that's fine. Um, I'll catch you up. Uh, every, every one of us is chasing something. We've talked about uh, two weeks ago how we, a lot of us chase happiness. And we looked at the difference between happiness and joy and how happiness is an emotion. And so we don't want to base our life chasing happiness because we'll just constantly be let down because emotions shift and change. But joy is eternal. And last week we talked about, uh, you know, before the skunk thing happened, um, we talked about chasing uh, money. Those of you who weren't here last week, you're like, skunk thing, what is that? It smelled really bad in here for like a solid three minutes. It was real bad. A skunk got us real hard. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, but we talked about chasing money. And really, for you guys, it's less about chasing money and more about chasing stuff, right? You find yourself um, chasing after things to make you happy. The next video game, the next whatever, the next, uh, I don't know, cleats or all the things, right? Just whatever it is that's going to make you happy. It's going to get you to a point where you're finally satisfied. And then you get there and it's really, it's really not. Because that stuff isn't eternal. And so what we've been talking about over and over and over again, the main idea of the last two weeks, tonight and next week, is that we're, <coughs> the thing that we're supposed to be chasing after, this, this drive that's natural in us to chase something, was created for us to chase after God, to chase after being in a deep, loving relationship with God and living life the way he created us and calls us to live. And so tonight we're talking about uh, popularity, how a lot of us chase after popularity. Now, some of you, probably a lot of you are like, I don't really want to be popular. I, I, that's not me. That's not who I am. So the funny thing is it's kind of popular to not be popular right now. Um, 
right? Like, it's the cool thing to not be popular for some reason, which then makes everyone, I don't know, it's this whole deal. It, when I was in high school, the, one of the cool things was to get these, like, these jeans that were called Jinkos that had, like, these really huge things. I've talked about them in here before. You know what those are, right? Yeah, they look real dumb. They look real dumb. But, like, it was, like, the unique cool thing to have, except all, like, 600 people in my school had them. Of course, that's a small school for you guys, but in my school, I, I was a country school. There were only 600 people, ninth through 12th grade, uh, at my school. But, like, everybody had them, so then nobody was unique at all, right? It's this funny thing. So, like, now it's kind of cool to not be popular, so then everyone is popular. I don't understand the logic of it all. It's crazy. But even if you say, I don't really want to be popular, if you boil it all down, though, we all want to be liked, right? We all want to be liked. What, that, that's true whether you are the popular kid in school or not. Uh, and if you are, you know, yay for you, I guess. I don't know. I've never been there. I wasn't, wasn't a popular kid. But, uh, I mean, I wasn't, like, bullied or anything. But uh, I wasn't popular. But, but everyone wants to be liked. Take a second and think about the stereotypical attributes, like hopefully at your school, like the popular kids are actually really cool and awesome people and they aren't like what in that movie. You don't have to like make any noises or say anything out loud if that's not true. Uh, but think about the stereotypical attributes of what we, what we see as popular people for just a second. Just make a quick list in your head. Ways they act, things they say. The stereotypical perspective or attributes that we see in popular people is negative, right? Right? Some of you who are popular people, you're like, what? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, it's, it's typically, it's typically uh, negative. And now stereotypes exist because they, at some level they're probably true because we know that people, people are mean, right? Whether you're popular or not, people can be mean. That's... That's a simple fact of life right there. Uh, that people can be mean, especially, especially if they think that you or something you've done or something you've said um, affects their way of life or affects something in, in their world that they hold dear. Man, people get mean really fast, My, myself included. It's just a natural reaction to something that comes at us is to just snap back with meanness. Now, I'm not talking about always cut somebody to their core or anything like that. I'm talking about even just little little statements, little things, or the cold shoulder, all these types of things that people do um, that are mean. If you boil down the chase of popularity, like trying to be liked, it all really boils down to the, the natural desire we all have to be accepted. And that's not bad. It's not bad that we want to be accepted. That's, as a matter of fact, that's how God created us, to want to be in community with each other and to be in relationship with him. That's, that's like the core of what, of what God created in us is to be in community with each other. We're not meant to live life alone. I'm not talking about just like dating or marriage relationships. I'm just talking about in general. You're not supposed to just, God, you weren't created to just live alone in the woods, though there are times that that sounds awesome. Um, but you, you weren't created to, to be that way. Now, some people, like myself, you know, we're a little more created to be around, like, hundreds of people all the time. And then there are people like my wife who's more created to be around, like, one person at a time. You know, and that's, and that's okay. But at some level, we're all created by God to want to be accepted, and that's okay. Um, the issue comes in 
with who we want to accept us and how we live our life for that acceptance. See, our, our chasing... Our chasing shouldn't be after our own personal popularity. It shouldn't be, uh, we shouldn't be focused on people, people liking us because that shifts just like happiness is an emotion and emotions shift constantly. Um, if, if we're living our lives based on, if we're chasing after people's feelings about us, those shift, right? Those change. And so then your life is ever flowing and never constant. So, so, so what is it in this acceptance that we're supposed to be chasing? What is, who is it that we're, we ultimately, at our core, want to be accepted by? It's Jesus. See, when Jesus, eternal, not, doesn't live his life based on emotions like we do, he gets to hang out in heaven all the time and get to, gets to do, like, really cool stuff all the time. Uh, but he's, like, he's all loving, and he's, I mean, now there's some, there's some discipline involved in relationship with God and, and bringing us back into the way we're supposed to be, but it's all in love. There's this uh, God, uh, Jesus, the acceptance from him is what we should really be chasing after, this life. And so then, then perspectives uh, shift from I need all of you to like me to op- and to accept me, it shifts from that, me personally, selfishly, trying to gain all of your acceptance and, and you all to like me, which hopefully you do, uh, it changes my perspective from that and being focused on myself to knowing that Jesus accepts me. And so then once I'm confident and know that Jesus accepts me, then I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to focus on that anymore. And so then my focus can shift from chasing your acceptance to showing you the love of God. Do you kind of start to see what, see what I'm talking about here? What you're chasing after determines how you live your life. And so if I'm chasing after acceptance of other people constantly, then my, everything I do, everything I say is to gain that acceptance, good, bad, or indifferent. That's why people say and do mean things a lot of times is because they're trying to gain acceptance of a group of people, sometimes at the expense of others. See, but whenever you're not living your life to gain the acceptance of others, you already have the acceptance of Jesus. You don't have to worry about that anymore. And so then your focus can be on chasing Jesus and showing his love to the world around us. So when we understand that Jesus' acceptance uh, of you is all that matters when you can grasp that that Jesus accepts you if you've, if you've put your trust in Jesus if you have a relationship with him he accepts you and that's all that matters so when you can when we can understand that then our focus shifts from being on us and what we need and that focus shifts to the world and what others need which is the love and acceptance of Jesus so tonight I want to I want to give us a couple of uh, practical sort of practical truths from uh, a couple of spots in Scripture to help us live this this life of knowing that Christ accepts us and how that changes how we interact with the world. 
Um, one, of the, one of the last things in this particular section before I move on that I want you to understand, um, this took me a long time to come to grips with. This is another reason we shouldn't be chasing after other people liking us all the time uh, is because there's always going to be that one person that doesn't like you, that doesn't accept you. There's just always one. Now, if they're not liking you or not accepting you is because you've done something wrong and done something mean, then you need to get that right, and maybe that shifts. But there's, there's often going to be at least one person in your world that doesn't really care for you. For, it took me a long time to come to grips with that, and there's still parts of me that hates it. I hate it when somebody doesn't, like if I know that somebody doesn't like me, it drives me mad. I, I, like, I want to like just hug them until they agree to like me. Like, that's it. You, you can't move until you like me, right? Uh, and so they're like, okay, I like you. And I let go, and they're like, you jerk. And they walk away, you know, right? Um, so but here's, the, here's the thing somebody told me one time that hit home, and, and I continually have to remind myself of this all the time, is I can't control whether people like me or not, but I, I can control how I speak, act, and respond to those people. I can't control whether someone likes me or not, but I control how I speak, act, and respond to those people. So what they say and what they do to me can't, could determine how I speak back to them, act toward them, and re respond in general to them. But when your life is focused on Jesus... And loving the world the way we're called to love the world, those, those of us who follow Jesus, then our speech, our actions, our responses to those things are different than if we're still trying to gain everyone's acceptance. So let's talk about these practical things real quick. Let's go to the book of Proverbs. We don't look at Proverbs often enough. Proverbs is an awesome book. This blew my mind one time. I was in, uh, I went to Bible college because I'm a nerd. And um, uh, a guy said, hey, you know, there are 31 chapters of Proverbs. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. He goes, you know, a lot of months have 31 days. I was like, okay, and? He's like, you could, you could read a proverb a day, like every month. You know, after, you know, 28, it starts over again, but you'll eventually get to those others. And then you're just constantly reading God's truth. And there's a way of just constantly reading these things, you just pick a day and, all right, it's the fifth of the month, I'm going to read chapter five of Proverbs. Blew my mind. Which, I, I, that, that doesn't take much because my mind is pretty simple. So, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe that helps you. But anyway, random facts and thoughts with JJ. Now, let's jump into Proverbs chapter 15, verse one. Proverbs 15, verse one. It reads, a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Let me read that again. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Kindness, being kind, is a response that we're supposed to have. If our, if our perspective on life is what it's supposed to be, which is Jesus accepts us, so then I don't have to live gaining your acceptance or anyone else's acceptance in this world. So my, my focus is all about 
not what I need, but what everybody else needs. Loving others, sharing the love of Jesus with them, then kindness should be all up in and wrapped around the things that I say, the things that I do, and how I respond to people regardless of their actions. I mean, we know sometimes, uh, a lot of times, uh, people are mean. And it kind of seems opposite of what the scripture says here because oftentimes, the stereotype at least says, and in my school it was very true, that the mean people are the popular people. And so why is it that, you know, the Bible is talking about being kind, but the people who seem to be liked by everyone are mean? Because, I mean, the movie's called Mean Girls, not Kind Girls, right? Just, just, just saying. So, like, so what does that mean? So, here's, here's the secret. What really gets people's attention, though, is kindness. Think about your own life, right? You kind of just assume that at some point somebody's going to be mean to you. A sibling, uh, you know, your best friend even sometimes will say something mean to you. Ever, at some point, because we're all selfish, can we openly admit that? One guy's like, nope. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah, we're all, we're all selfish at our core. And so at some point, every, somebody's going to say something, do something, respond in some kind of harsh, uh, mean sort of way. And so that doesn't really surprise us very often, right? When somebody does something kind of selfish and mean, we just kind of assume that in life. But when somebody does something truly kind, something completely unselfish, that catches our attention, doesn't it? Right? It does for me. I often encounter non-kind people. <laughs> uh, but whenever somebody's truly unselfish and kind, that catches my attention. I can't help but step back and go, oh, whoa, what's, what's different here? Because this person is actually doing something that shows that they care. They're saying something they're, they're speaking kind words. They're, they're doing some sort of unselfish act that shows, shows kindness. You see, it's really hard to be mad at someone when they're being nice to you, right? I mean, there are some curmudgeons. They can do it, man. They can, they can be mean no matter what you say to them. But it's really... <laughs> I, um, I had a friend that was like this. She was happy about everything. She was as kind as can be. And there were times you'd want to be mad at her just because she was so nice, but you couldn't. You could not be mad at her. She just didn't smile at you. And you can't, you can't be mad at somebody who's just smiling at you. You just can't. You just can't. That's, I mean, that's sort of like a, a, a silly example, but that's what, this, that's what the scripture's saying is that kindness should be something those of us who are seeking and chasing after God this characteristic that should, this attribute that should describe us is kindness. And kindness um, is tough, though, because it's a choice. This is not something that comes naturally to us because we're all, we're all selfish. And, we, and whenever somebody says something to us, uh, we have to bite our tongue, like, really hard often because what we really want to say is going to just make them cry, right? There, there's often times when I'm in conversation with people, not you because you guys are all awesome, um, that... Somebody will say something, and my first response in my brain is to say something that's going to make them cry. Because I'm me. 
I know I look happy and I look like a big teddy bear, but in my head, I'm a jerk, right? But I choose kindness constantly. I choose kindness constantly. I'm just, I, I'm just being honest and open with you guys. Like, being transparent. In my head, I am a huge selfish jerk, but I constantly choose kindness because, as we see in, in Paul's letter to the Galatians, that there's these, there are these things called the fruit of the Spirit. And those of you who've been in church for a while, fruit of the Spirit are not like spiritual gifts. It's not like, oh, God gave me kindness, but not patience, right? Um, that's not how it works. The fruit of the Spirit are, are attributes that all Christians should have all of. Now, we're not perfect at those. We're trying. And so the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, patience, self-control, all the other things, right? Um, all of those attributes, kindness being one of them, are what should flow out of us because we follow Jesus. And it's actually, the reason it's called the fruit of the Spirit is because, like a fruit tree, if it's an apple tree, it produces. Ah, smart, you know science. I like it, right? In the same way, if you're following Jesus who was loving and kind and patient and self-controlled, then what fruit would come from us? The same thing, right? Where your focus is, is what your heart produces. So if we're focused on Jesus and we're following and chasing after him, then our fruit, our words, our actions, our responses are those like Jesus. Again, we're not perfect. We don't get it right all the time. But more often than not, if we're truly in relationship with Jesus, we're really chasing after God, our fruit is just like that of Jesus. The prime example from Jesus in his life was when he was going to the cross. He was, he was on trial these guys were uh, were all speaking. Uh, they they were all being really. They were being terrible to Jesus. They were speaking uh, falsely about him. They were they were calling him all kinds of names in the book. They were literally beating him. Jesus was beat within an inch of his life. Literally walking to be crucified and killed. Jesus was almost dead already. They had beaten him so badly. But he never uttered a negative word. In that whole time. As a matter of fact, when he was on the cross about to die, he asked God to forgive everyone who had just done what they did to him. You see, that's the example we follow. Now, most of us, hopefully none of us, will ever have to be in that specific uh, situation where we're being beaten and cursed um, and killed. But if Jesus can endure something that terrible and still be kind and loving and forgiving? Pretty sure we can handle being kind to people who just say and do mean things to us, right? So the, the next verse, let's jump over a couple of chapters in Proverbs to chapter 17. I know we're jumping around, usually I hang out in one passage, um, but we're, we're being a little topical tonight. It's okay sometimes. Uh, Proverbs chapter 17, looking at verse 9. Verse 9. It reads, <clears throat> Whoever covers an offense seeks love, 
but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So let me translate that into a little more common language for you. Someone who forgives seeks love. Someone who gossips breaks up relationships. So the next little practical tip for living life the way we're called to live, those of us who, who follow Jesus, is we're to be trustworthy. To live like Jesus is to live a life, to be a person who is trustworthy, who people can trust. And the reason I, I picked this verse and talked about this, and the reason the, the writer talks about this forgiveness thing at the beginning here and, and that being a part of seeking love is because here's the deal. In friendships, we share things, we talk about things, we even make each other mad, right? Just happens. And if you're not if you're not forgiving other people, that forgiveness, if you're if you're honest, some of you have experienced this, right? That forgiveness stays in you and it builds and builds and builds and eventually it's gonna come out one way or another, whether it's it's harshness, harsh words, harsh actions at that person, or it's to vent about that person to somebody else. It ends up being sharing their what they shared to you in confidence to them, and so you've broke their trust and all that. Just because, all because you wouldn't forgive, all because we wouldn't forgive, and so forgiveness is a big part of us being trustworthy because we all fail, we all mess up. We all do things that we shouldn't do. And so if we're not forgiving one another, we can't really hold, we can't really be trustworthy the way we're called to be trustworthy. If someone tells you something, you should be trustworthy with that information. And so this is what we're talking about, gossip, right? I don't really have to say the phrase, we shouldn't gossip, right? You've all heard that like, a bunch in your life probably whether you've been this is the first time you've been in church or not you've heard the phrase you shouldn't gossip it's a funny thing about that is we all know that but we rarely live by that right there's this temptation um, for us to try to use someone else's private information to get ourselves ahead especially uh, in like friend groups so you're trying to posture yourself to be with this like other friend group Here's, here's a prime example of what this looks like. Made up example, by the way, but a prime example. So me and Garrett in the back, everybody say, hey, Garrett, he's the drummer. He's awesome, right? We're friends in real life. Um, but this scenario did not happen, but let's pretend it did. So last week, I uh, divulged a secret about me that the first CD that I ever bought, which I know you're like CDs, whatever. Uh, the first CD I ever bought was Boys to Men, right? Um, and they're awesome. You don't probably know who they are because they're an old group, but they're incredible singers. But I bought that when I was like nine, and most nine-year-old boys didn't really listen to Boys of Men. It wasn't a thing. But I, I'm, I've always been like an eclectic music person. I listen to all sorts of music except country because it's terrible. Um, uh, science proves it. Anyway, um, <laughs> country really is terrible. Um, anyway, that's not, that's not the point of the story. So I, <laughs> I'm, I told I, I, Garrett knows that I listen to, to boys, the men. Okay. So we're back at school. Garrett's hanging out with a group of other guys. And these other guys are like, man, 
You know what's dumb? That group, Boys to Men. Those guys are, I can't believe anybody would ever listen to those, especially guys. Why would they ever listen to that music? And Garrett, in a moment of weakness, temptation goes, hey, you know who listens to Boys and Men? JJ. That guy's lame, isn't he? Right? Uh, and so then this whole group starts making fun of me. He's used some private information about me to gain acceptance in this group at my expense. Now, I kind of came out the hero of that story. I'm sorry, Garrett. But, um, but this happens. That's kind of a silly, obviously made up scenario. But that sort of thing happens all the time, doesn't it? This means yes. Yeah, yeah. This means no. This means I'm asleep, right? Okay. Um, some of you knew I was going there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so we, we have to be trustworthy, those of us who are following Jesus. And I hope, I hope all of us are. And if you're not, I hope that, that you will begin uh, following Jesus and know that We'll get into that. But know that he'll accept you regardless of where you are in your life, whatever you've done, all those kinds of things. So being kind and being trustworthy, though, they're not really like secrets to popularity, at least the way we know it, right? But they are a major part of what living life like Jesus is supposed to look like. Being kind and being trustworthy. You, wanna, you know what else? kind of gets on my nerves in like friend friend group stuff or whatever, especially when I was in high school, is whenever uh, whenever somebody ditches you, right? Do you know what the word means, ditches, right? Like you had plans with somebody and then they bail on you at the last minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, ha- I have this friend. We're still best friends to this day. I don't talk very often, but we're still best friends to this day. Um, and uh, I, won't, I won't share his name because sometimes, anyway, um, we, uh, we used to hang out all the time. We used to do, like, crazy stuff. I won't tell you the crazy stuff that we did with, like, fireworks and all kinds of things. But uh, we used to do all kinds of stuff, hang out all the time. And then, and then he got a girlfriend. You know, you know the end of this story, don't you? Poor old JJ's lighting fireworks by himself. <laughs> right? We'd have plans, and it'd be like, all right, man, we're going to hang out tonight. It's going to be awesome. And last minute, he'd say, sorry, JJ. She wants to hang out. I'm like, yeah, so do I, bro. So do I. He's like, yeah, but I'm going to hang out with her instead. Right? 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 Uh, (laughs) uh, Man, let's turn to uh, see a story that Jesus uh, talks about this this sort of thing. Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. This is the last spot we're going to jump to and, and talk about. This is a parable that, that, Jesus, that Jesus told. We're in Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 16. Starting in verse 16. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say uh, to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. See, excuses, right? All these excuses. This, this guy has thrown this, this incredible banquet for these people, has invited them into his house, 
share his food and do all these things, made these plans, and they made up all these lame excuses like, I got a new video game, I got to go play that instead, sorry, bud, right? Um, that's, that's my version of that story, right? Or, got a girlfriend, sorry, JJ, right? I'm not, I'm not still mad about it, I got to forgive him, it's cool, it's cool. Um, anyway, so these, these people make up these lame excuses to not come to this incredible banquet put on by this guy, so let's keep, let's keep reading. Verse 21, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house uh, became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you uh, commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, None of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. See, one of the things I love, the main reason I love this passage is this is actually, uh, this actually tells the story of God chasing down the lost. Those who he, uh, his interaction with all of us. So in God's history with mankind, he chose the Israelites, we know, we know them as Jewish people, right? The Jews. God chose Israelites to be his chosen people, not the only people that would ever be in relationship with him, but he chose them to be his light in the world. He chose the Israelites to go and share his love with the world that he wanted to make things right. He wanted to forgive us of our sins and bring us back and make us whole again the way we were created at the beginning before sin entered into the world. But the Israelites continued to fall away from God. And eventually when Jesus, the Messiah, showed up on the scene, they rejected him. They didn't see him as the son of God, who he was and is. They made excuses and said, oh, you're not the Messiah we thought you were. You're not the Messiah that we had in our mind, so you can't be the Messiah. They made excuses and rejected God's invitation to be his chosen people to go and share his love with the world. And so then just like the master in the story, whenever he's rejected, goes and then invites anyone and everyone who will show up to his party to hang out with him and to be in relationship with him, to be friends with him. God did, God did the same thing and does the same thing now. He says, okay, Israel, you rejected me. Now, anyone and everyone can be my light. Now, he was, he was in the business, even before Jesus came, of rescuing anyone who would have faith in him and, bring, and, and forgiving them of their sins. But it was who was really called to go be his light in the world. Now, anyone and everyone who chooses to follow Jesus and accepts his invitation, accepts him, is now the light of the world, is now the one who goes, uh, should be the ones who go and share his love with the world. And this is where Jesus' acceptance of us is most important because it doesn't say, Oh, you have to be rich. You have to do all these things. You have to follow all these rules. You have to do all this stuff. And then Jesus will accept you. You're welcome in. Uh, and then go be the light of the world. No, 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 no. He, the example that Jesus gives here, the master calls everyone, anyone, the crippled, the uh, poor, the down and out, the completely lost, all of them. Hey, you're welcome to come. There is room here. There is plenty of space. You are loved. You are accepted. Jesus is using this as a way of saying that he 
Jesus is the same way. That anyone who chooses to follow him, chooses to believe in him, is accepted. It doesn't matter how mean you might have been today, right? If you choose to follow Jesus, he accepts you. And see, that's the, the basis of all of this. Being kind, being trustworthy, living the life that we're called to live, chasing hard after God instead of all the things in the world. That's where it all starts. You have to follow Jesus. And so if you're in the room and you've not started that relationship with Jesus, he's calling, follow me. And all you have to do is put your trust in him and ask forgiveness for your sins and then you begin that relationship with him and you can stop living your life like a roller coaster and trying to chase all the things of the world that just fade away and that fall away, that break and fall apart and living off the acceptance of those around you. Instead, you can live on what's eternal, what's stable, which is the love of God. Let me pray and we'll go into small groups. Father, I thank you that you are never changing, that you are all loving, that you will kick down every single wall and try and tear down every single lie that we try to say to, res- to come and rescue us, that you invite us into relationship with you. You could have left us on our own, but you choose to continually come after us and chase us down and rescue us. Help us to see that the things of this world are not the things that we should be chasing because they fall apart, they break, they let us down, but you never will, God. Help us to be focused uh, and on topic in our groups as we talk uh, and to be able to, to take this stuff to heart even deeper as we talk with our peers about it. Christ and I pray. Amen. If it's your first time with us, we're going to break into small groups. If you came with a friend, just go with them to, your, to their group. If they are the same gender as you.